There we go. It's on. Okay. So, our prayer for illumination begins, Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The readings, as I said this morning, come from uh, Exodus, come from Matthew, come from Philippians. And the first reading is the, uh, the golden calf reading. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it reflects human nature. You know, we get bored. We get, uh, you know, uh, complacent. And then we create false gods. And here is the perfect example of one. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made it a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, Moses, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. In other words, let me purge you of all these people so we can get on with business. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger, O Lord, and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And miraculously, the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on His people. That was Exodus 32, 1-14. Our next reading, I'm going to read them just a bit out of order because I'm going to end with Philippians, but the next reading is the Gospel according to Matthew and it is uh, Matthew 22, 1-14. through 14. And, and uh, an editor wrote this. He said, God, helped, God keeps inviting us to be honored guests at a banquet to 
celebrate fidelity and devotion within God's family, but we keep ignoring the personalized invitation. And this author said, how rude and how careless too. Suddenly, our seats at God's party have been taken by those we regarded as less important in God's family and in God's empire. Thus, I read to you, Matthew 22, 1-14, the parable of the wedding feast. It's here somewhere. Ah, there it is. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. I sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. And everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite the wedding feast invite to the wedding feast those invited excuse me go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find and those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found both bad and good so the wedding hall was filled with guests but when the king came in to look at the guests he saw there a man who had no wedding garment and he said to him friend how did you get in here without a wedding garment and he was speechless Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness. Into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Our final reading this morning, and the one that I will speak to, is Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. Philippians 4, 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. You heard that echo in the song today. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is... any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Are you worried? Are you worried? You're bound to be. I mean, we, got, we have so many reasons to be worried this morning. You know, because it's the... Uh, you know, the germs going around. Uh, we've got the uh, election coming up. We've got uh, 
you know, schools opening and closing. We've got uh, numbers of, you know, people getting sicker and sicker. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's plenty of reasons to worry. And then we've got our own stuff, you know. But there's an anonymous person said one time, worry less, smile more, don't regret, just learn and grow. And truly, truly words to live by, just like regretting our past, worry, you know, holds us back, stunts our growth. One day, John Wesley was uh, told a story of he was walking with a man who expressed his doubt as to the goodness of God. In other words, he was worrying just a little bit. And at the same moment, Wesley saw a, cra- a cow, a cow, standing at a wall, and he said, "At the he saw, he saw the he saw the cow looking over a stone wall." And he says, "Do you know?" asked Wesley, "Why that cow is looking?" over the wall. And the man said, no. And Wesley said, uh, the cow's looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. That is what you must do with your wall of trouble, Wesley said. Look over it and avoid it. You know, faith, he said, enables us to look past our circumstances and past our Worry and past the things that we regret and past the things we worry about and, and focus on Christ. And, you know, we cannot see through our worry. We can't. Worry is like a wall blocking our view of a great vision of the promise of Jesus Christ. And uh, how can that be? Because we like to worry. We love to worry about anything our health, our safety, our finances. Our, 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 even our success. You know, people worry, you know, will people come back? When we open up the sanctuary one day, will the people come back or will the church grow? We worry about stuff. Will we get sick when we go back into the sanctuary? We worry about stuff. We don't, but we don't seem to worry about something that's really important. Is that, that is our relationship with God. And Paul had a great suggestion. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And prove your relationship with God is what Paul is saying by letting go and letting God. You ever heard that story about the young man who was hiking? I have all kinds of hiking stories. What young man that was hiking and uh, he slipped off the ledge and he and he fell. And it was it was it was, uh, was kind of overcast just like today and the fog was moving in so he couldn't see the ground below him. But he he grabbed onto a root that was on the edge of the ledge and he's hanging there. And all of a sudden he heard a voice. Just let go. He goes, no, no, I don't want to die. He said, let go. No, I, I know it's a long ways to fall and I'm afraid. He said, let go. He says, no, 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 no. I, I want to live. All of a sudden, the fog cleared and the ground was about a foot away from him. <laughs> it was another hiker that had called to him. But the thing is, that's the way God is. Let go, let go. no. I know what's best. Let go. We've all been there. I've been there. Since I reached back to a, a story from John Wesley, you know, early Christians here, I think I'll reach back even further and quote Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, Pray and let God worry. And I like that. 
Let's let God worry. God can handle it. There's nothing that we have that God can't handle. There's no feeling we have that God can't handle. There's no ugly thing we would say to God in our frustration that God can't handle. God just wants you to have a relationship with Him. God does not care how you present it, how you pray, how you, you know, how much faith you have. Just trust God. And oh, I can worry like the best of them. I can worry about tomorrow like it's promised to me. Think about that. Something I want to teach you. I, those who worry, worry about things like they're promised to you. I'll explain. I've worked hard to get something right. Maybe it's this morning. And I, I, and I delude myself to think that tomorrow everything's going to fall in line. You know, I delude myself to think the guitar is going to be right or the song's going to be right or whatever. And I worry about it that it might not be. And then in the worry, we think that something or someone is trying to take it away from us. Take away something that's promised to us. We really think tomorrow's promised to us or that, that whatever that is that we're, we're worried about losing, we really think it's promised to it. Well, it's not. It's not. Tomorrow is not yours. Today is. I love what this understanding of worrying. These are my words, and I'm going to share with you somebody that's uh, somebody that's much wiser than me, their words. But I like to think of worry as paying interest. You know I'm buying a home, right? So I'm really consumed with interest. Mortgage, borrowing money, debt. But I say, worry is paying interest on a loan you have not yet received. Think about it. Worry is like paying interest on a loan you have not yet received. But I like Mark Twain's twist on that. And I found it after I'd made up my own words. He says, worry is like paying a debt you don't know. Worry is like paying a debt you don't know. And it really is. It all has to do with our feeling of entitlement or our feeling that something has been promised to us. And what we're worrying about is that we might lose it, that somehow it might escape us. As Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then, as Martin Luther said, let God worry about it. Let us pray. Lord, we can stand at that wall like that, like that cow and look over the wall and can't get to where we see, we see, but we look over and we can see something much greater. Lord, we worry is just like that for us, a wall that holds us back. But sometimes we don't look over the wall, we look into the wall. And Lord, it's my hope that, you know, for all of us, even I, for all of us that you... Set that example and that you give us that opportunity to, to uh, see through our worry. Let go of our regrets and embrace, embrace that wonderful promise you gave us years and years ago that is new every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.